0: This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They ask us not to read an ad, so hey, enjoy the show.
1: Hello. Hi,
0: John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Great.
1: Good. All right. So, yep, yeah, super duper. How about you? Great. Let's just wrap it up. All right. All right. All good right. times. What nothing um, to talk about then. Thanks for tuning in again. Yeah, thanks for coming to our normally complaining about stuff podcast. But <laughs> we are super good right now. We've,
0: you know what? Wouldn't that be funny? That would be funny if we just had a week where everything was okay. Yeah. How Can are you are imagine you that? Can you imagine? <laughs> you know what? Nothing intolerable. Nothing. No. Uh, it's. Uh, I've. <laughs> you've yeah. had worse. You've had worse months.
1: <laughs> Everybody was driving fine. Didn't think about Hitler once. <laughs> On the way in today, I passed, you know, there was a small traffic jam, but not one that I was upset about because the the source of it was that a cop had pulled over a lime green Lamborghini Diablo. Oh, that's okay. And we'll everybody, had to, slow, everybody <laughs> had to slow down to see it. And I was like, yeah, of course, of course.
0: Oh, my God. So that person, who whoever paid for that car, Probably got to choose from many, many colors.
1: Mm, well, yeah, many, yeah, many colors.
0: I mean, even if let's say, let's say, I mean, you know, red, probably, white, and
1: black, and yellow.
0: Red, white, okay. <laughs> but like, let's assume even you got three colors uh-huh. and you, you pick lime green. Yeah. That's just, you know,
1: that boy, you talk about a fuck you to everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you notice I'm driving a Lamborghini Diablo? Mm-hmm. Did you notice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. Mm, that's a nice car to get pulled over in. I bet it's very luxurious.
1: Well, you know, I can't imagine that you would ever get out of first gear in it in town. And if you were the type of person that would drive one around town, like that's the thing about a car like that, right? You don't drive it around town, you'd drive it, you'd get it out of town. You take it out on the Steinberger Say. What's yeah, it called? What's exactly. that? What's that road
0: you go on in Germany? Yeah, the Steinberger Say. The Rennsteig
1: yeah. The ring, ring, Rheingold. It's the, the Rheingold. The the the, rings, the re- ring cycle. The re- <laughs> 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 the Ring, <scheiße. laughs> yeah, the ring.
0: Nürburgring, ring. Yeah, I have a couple friends who've have driven on the Nürburgr- ring. Our friend Marco, has. Marco has driven
1: on the ring. in his M7 or his M9 or his M12. Yeah, it's a pretty M14. nice car. I,
0: I'm given to believe it's a pretty nice car.
1: Have you never been in it?
0: No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I wouldn't even had a dress for something like that. <laughs> I think. It probably it probably makes you wear something like inside out sweatpants, something that oh. won't mar the seats, I'm guessing. Oh,
1: inside out sweatpants. Maybe a little sheepskin like ass chap <laughs> Sheepskin <laughs> ass chaps. Yeah. You know, everybody says, oh, assless chaps, and then all the the pedants are so, like <laughs> But but what about a just a straight up just the just the missing part of a set of chaps? Oh, like,
0: like a donut hole?
1: Like yeah, like a little just little ass ass and front pelt.
0: Yeah, like maybe you don't want the, the weight and performance characteristics of full-on chaps. Maybe you just want the part where your ass would normally stick out. Maybe well, you're modest. Uh, yeah, maybe so. you want to go to a parade and ride on a float, <laughs> but you don't want your
1: butt cheeks out there. Yeah, chaps are meant, uh, if you're on a horse, mm-hmm. and your horse brushes up against another horse or a cow or a fence, <laughs> uh, which a horse is want to do, right? A horse is trying to knock you off. They're just doing the best the they can, John. They're doing the best they can, and if they see a low-hanging branch or a cow, they're going to get up on it and hope that they can knock you off. And that's why you have chaps on, right? To keep your pant legs from getting abraded or something. I don't know why you wear chaps, frankly.
0: I bet there's lots of reasons. I mean, it's sort of like you're describing. It's like sort of like why you would wear gloves. There's all kinds of things you're going to encounter that could take a chunk out of you. Brush. Let's say brush. There's probably a lot of
1: brush. It's probably very coarse, pointy at parts. Pointy brush. But... What is the equivalent if you're riding around in Marco Arment's uh, M5? It, it, you, you don't need to protect you. You need to protect the car. Mm-hmm. And so you have some sheepskin reverse chaps, which I guess we're just going to call ass chaps, <laughs> right? Or, or like, um, you know, see. loincloth chaps. Yeah. Yeah. I think that will be a skirt. Well, except you don't want it on the side. You want it to be cool and breezy on the side. You're no, not touching the car on the side. You just yeah. want it you want it in the back. You want it in the back to 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 give a nice buff to the leather seats. And it's not too front, much it's not too much to ask. I don't know why you'd want it in the front just for a, a comfortable place to rest your hands. Yeah, I don't know if you want to be looking at somebody's wang while you're driving around in your BMW. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's more of a it's like a ass. It's a it's a it's a uh it's like a polishing rag on the bottom. Oh, I and get a, it. And a modesty skirt on the front,
0: <laughs> right? Like a like a
1: like a BMW burka. Yeah, burka well,
0: would be exactly. a great name for a BMW, by the way.
1: The burka? Yeah. I <laughs> Have you tried
0: know. the new? Have you taken out on the Stein, Steinbergenstrasse? Oh, uh,
1: you're gonna get letters.
0: Yeah, I sure am. I sure am. Um, what was oh. I gonna ask you about? Yeah, so you get the Germans. You got Mark Arman over here. Hunka
1: hunka hunka. Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, <laughs> no soup. No soup. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you've been traveling.
1: Yeah, I've done a lot of traveling. I'm not done yet because, uh, as you know, the life of an artist is the life of an eternal vacation, basically. Mm. So I've just been on a I've just been on two major warm weather vacations, and now I'm going on a on a, a lengthy ski trip. Uh, it's a I can't defend it really. Yeah, I don't I don't produce anything worthwhile. Uh, for the world, right? Well, I'm like, you, I'm you like, have, a, don't feel like you need to defend that, John. I'm like a game designer, except I don't even design games.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: You yeah. add as much value though. Right? right? I mean, you know what a wee, <laughs> right? Here's <a> paper hat. <laughs> my, daughter, my daughter's my daughter's <laughs>
0: favorite video game right now is a game where you you stare at this same area of, of a, like a backyard of a house and you try to make cats come into the yard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a and, thing which you would never do in real life.
0: Right, and you don't so want you, cats you, in your yard. you wait for cats to come, and then you try to attract the cats, and then that gives you the opportunity. I don't exactly understand. I don't claim to understand the game. I know it is primarily about collecting cats. You get like pictures of them and stuff. But then also, when you, I think your reward for attracting cats is, <laughs> is you're given the opportunity to buy buy goods, virtual goods inside the game that, <laughs> that enable you to attract more cats. Uh, sure,
1: sure. She loves it. Uh, I'm wondering now that you say this. I've always been very curious about bird watchers. Oh yeah, because they're out there. I always figured they,
0: it was a cover or a front for something else.
1: Well, yeah, me too. But but the more I look into it, uh, the more it seems that they are just out uh, watching birds, gathering, gathering. Well, here's what they're gathering: having watched a bird, they're collecting the experience of having seen a bird. Yeah, and different birds. So they're like, did you ever? Have you ever seen? Uh, uh, spotted-throated warbler. War oh, so, yeah, sure. The 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 throated
0: uh, warhog. Yeah, yeah. The
1: war 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 uh, warbling war, warbling boar blubber. And the other person goes, "Yes." And then they both have collected, having seen it. Uh-huh. And that's very interesting to me. And they're not and the bird watchers and the bird photographers are different people too. So they're not even watch. They're not even collecting, having taken a picture of a thing.
0: I've never had an opportunity to talk about this, and I haven't actually thought about it that much, but uh, as you get older, you start to realize that there are, what, euphemisms. For example, euphemisms, there are existential euphemisms. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, like, let's say you, you look for opportunities, like for my wife, I think, I think uh, going to the gym or going to yoga is very much about going to the gym and going to yoga. That's oh, big I That's a part of it, but. But it's also that she's not with us. Like she gets uh-huh. like an hour to herself uh-huh. or two uh-huh. hours or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just like dad saying, oh, we're out of milk. I'm happy to, to go to the store and get some milk because uh-huh. you get a second to yourself and maybe you can smoke a cigarette.
1: Yeah. Like my grandfather said. I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes, and <laughs> he didn't come back for 15 years.
0: Yeah, sort of yeah. like
1: that. It's a it's
0: a lot like that, and so I don't know why. But as I got older, I started to think it's not that I can't imagine why someone would do bird watching. It just it seems a little obscure, and it's one of those things like gorilla costumes or quicksand in the 70s where it came up so often mm-hmm. that even as weird as it was, you're like, is there that, that that much quicksand in the
1: world? Wait a minute, you are really nailing something here. Have you talked about this before?
0: I've mentioned it in other places. I'm not the only person. There was actually I heard a podcast a few years ago about like what happened to quicksand. 'Cause quicksand was everywhere. It was. It was I was quick- terrified of quicksand. It
1: seemed like it lurked around every corner. There
0: was certainly a period of probably half a year where I would avoid sand because yeah. given the exposure <laughs> in the media, I had to assume that there was quicksand out there I just didn't know about. And also so, people in gorilla suits. So well that that was huge. That's true. I expected that though. And 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 birthday party clowns. Oh, I, I still never met anybody who actually looks forward to meeting a clown. No. But then we, were, we were led to believe – we were sold a bill of goods, John. We were led to believe that there was a clown culture out there that somebody liked, and I've never met anybody who wasn't a clown who actually liked a
1: clown. See, I don't mind clowns, but I had a traumatic clown experience as a child. Oh, God. But I'm wondering how Stand fits into the Bermuda Triangle uh, Bigfoot – um. The uh, Loch Ness Monster. Oh, troika. sure. The the In Search Of era. Yeah. Like, what? how did quicksand factor into that? That's so interesting. Because it seems, it seems contemporaneous.
0: Well, you're also, you're totally nailing this. Like, there was this period where there has to be a reason why this was. And maybe it was, like, post-hippie, like, uh, pre-New Age America was very interested in all kinds of, like, wackadoodle concepts about, remember, there was that period, even before In Search Of, there was that time-life set of books. But there's yeah. all this st- interest in aliens. Uh, about, the, you know, the ETs coming to visit us.
1: Sure. Secret Nazi
0: th- weapons. Sure. Uh, underground or underwater kingdoms. Uh, you got the, you got the Sas- Sasquatch. Yep. Right. You got the Bigfoot.
1: Uh, Lock and Nest monster. It was everywhere. I think this is part of the appeal now that we're talking about it of the original Indiana Jones movie. Oh. Hmm. Remember, we all went into that movie. <gasps> it's got a lot of
0: those elements.
1: Yeah. And we're, we were, as as 10-year-old kids, 12-year-old kids, we were primed. To think that there were little, you know, little secret Mayan temples full of gold idols and and uh, secret Nazi weapons. Secret and,
0: Nazi weapons. You've also got sort of like uh, like the whole like religious cult supernatural yeah, component that Ark leads the into Covenant. the Nazis. Yes. It's,
1: yes. All, it's all baked into the Bermuda Triangle scene.
0: Now, they had snakes in that. I don't remember there being quicksand. But well, also, you know, quicksand is also a fetish. There are quicksand fetishists. Really? There are people who think it's it's kind of, it's a sexy thing for some people.
1: I, I get that. I get that.
0: Uh, so you grew up it, with enough of something on TV and you're going to want to masturbate to it eventually. Quicksand figures prominently in The Princess Bride. In The Princess Bride. Oh, it's the, and you got the eels. You got the, it's, oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm still trying to parse it. Is this is coming up more and more? You know, I was just on a cruise. Yeah, and uh, I, we were invited to visit the bridge, which I had never, I'd never been invited to the bridge before. Uh, and the I reason just we, it was a computer. Well, <laughs> it's not. Imagine, that's not, huh? No, there are sailors up there in various uniforms, mm-hmm. and there's a captain, and in our case, he was a ship captain from Winnipeg. Which right away, that should ring some alarm bells.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Is that a landlocked area, John?
1: Uh, yeah, there. Yeah, Winnipeg doesn't. It's not where a lot of he doesn't sea doesn't captains have the the sea in his veins. Norm normally when you meet a sea captain, he's either from the Netherlands or from the Netherlands. you uh, right; they're all from the Netherlands, uh, from the Netherlands, or from Greece. Those so all the-, the
0: boats, all the boats. It's like don't boats have their own Delaware? Isn't there a Delaware of boats? Yeah, you always
1: register in. In B- Bimini, or
0: uh, yeah, what? What is it? There's one place where everybody registers. I think it's the Delaware oh, Nassau. Of boats.
1: Nassau,
0: Nassau, something like that. Yeah. And then you so you, you get your boat and you act like it's from the Delaware of boats. And then you hire some some tall blonde guy to run your boat because he's always a a, a a Netherlander.
1: Yeah, yeah. the The, the Nederlanders grow up uh, basically knee deep in water. And uh, that's how they become ship captains because it's the only way they can they keep their feet on the dry. Sure, yeah. get out of the water. Get up onto a boat and your feet will dry out eventually. The Greeks also, uh, there are a lot of islands there and they, they're, they're all avid sailors. Mm-hmm. But this guy's Canadian, so hmm. okay. Right. I mean, obviously the Canadians have a lot of uh, sailors, but not from Winnipeg. Yeah. But they don't have any boats, right? Uh, what, in Canada?
0: Well isn't there you got
1: you got that area on the
0: east coast where they got a boat? All but like, sailors not, no boats. But you don't all <laughs> sailors no <know> boats. <laughs> Too many sailors and not enough boats. But I mean, is there like a large amount of navy uh in, say, like like uh whether we get Saskatoon, is that a place in Canada? Yeah, but there's no navy there. Do you
1: get the Navy in Toronto? Uh you're not gonna have a lot of navy, although there's a there's a there's a lake. You'd have a lake navy. Oh, and heroin. You'd have a yeah, you'd have the, the old heroin navy. But you know, Canada... <laughs> <laughs> Canada's Navy is very important because Canada needs to protect its Arctic seaways. Oh, like way
0: up there. Oh boy, that's that that is a gig I would not want. Well, yeah, except see, this is the thing about the unless Arctic. you're
1: avoiding quicksand. There's probably not a lot of quicksand when you go up that well, north. You don't know what's up there because well, it's be frozen the, over quicksand. Well, but as the ice recedes, there might be there might be a alien uh, civilizations. civilization. That's B, where, that's where you're gonna find it. Bermuda Triangles. Yes. Uh, Bigfoots, quick ice, uh, quick ice, quick sand, uh, Mayan temples. It could all be up there. So a lot of room, a lot of territory. There's a lot of, you know, I think the coastline of Canada is like the longest coastline in the world or something like that because it just is all crazy up there. But as the because of Mandelbrot, well, also, Mm -hmm. yeah, no true Scotsman. (laughs) Um, But the uh, but all the nations of the world are now trying to scoot in and out of these Canadian areas. Uh, because the sea ice has receded and there's oil up there and so Canada's got a whole navy that's all worried about that. They're not worried about pot smuggling anymore because it's all coming from Canada. Hmm. Anyway, so this guy's from uh, Winnipeg and here's here's the rub. Are you ready? Ready. Here's why I got to go tour the bridge because the captain, who's 65 years old, is an enormous Will Wheaton fan. Oh, interesting. And he hears Will Wheaton is on his boat, and he's like, I've got to meet Will Wheaton. Bring him to the bridge. (whistles) Yeah, exactly. Do they ever make that whistle noise? Well, so of course, Will has the communicator sound. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm putting this together
0: now. Oh my God! And yeah. he's a he's a he was on the Star Trek yes. in the in the in the eighties. That's correct. Oh now, not,
1: yeah, 80, 80s. yeah, 80s. 90s. Yeah, eighties. I think it was
0: when I was in college. He was on the Star Trek, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was he played uh, he played Beverly Crusher, and he was the guy who had That's the right. crab face, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And now he so, likes cats. He I thought was the one. Didn't he uh, talk like a penguin and and smoke a cigarette in a long sort of a pipe?
0: Oh, yeah, right. That's, the, that's uh, Gaius Balfour. That's the yeah. name of the bartender yeah. who was he, in uh, The Color Purple.
1: Well, and he's the reason that, uh, that the Middle East is so unevenly divided.
0: Well, I didn't want to bring it up here. But in any case... Uh, this is so great.
1: So he found up. out the guy from Star Trek is on his boat. That's right. And oh. he, and the first thing he says when we walk onto the bridge is he points to his captain's chair and he goes, we had that modeled off of the Enterprise. <laughs> and we all, you know, get a courtesy chuckle. Uh, he's a super nice guy, super nice <laughs> captain. He walks us around... Uh, as I say, Will's phone periodically, he would get a text and it would make the communicator sound and the captain would like, would he giggle? He would. I mean, this guy's like 280 pounds, like sea captain, all of his, all of his staff. I'm talking about like hundreds of sailors. When he walks by, they all cower. I mean, not because I'm I'm sure not because he's mean, but because it's the law of the sea, right? He's the captain. That's a pretty big deal on a boat. You don't step onto the bridge mm-hmm. unless you've, you know, unless you've like. That's his boat. It's his boat. That's how, that's how captaining works.
0: It's a, it's a pretty big deal, I think.
1: Yeah, there was a, there was a, uh, there's a button in, in some of the public bathrooms that says, you know, in, an, in the event of emergency, push this button. But don't push this button frivolously because it rings on the bridge. What? We will come rescue you. And we oh. will come rescue you hard. As a former productivity expert, I have to tell you, that is, that is a categorically terrible idea. Well, it's not like the captain's going to come. But if, you know... Oh, <laughs> well, just a moment. Just a <laughs> moment. E-nong. Someone in the bathroom is having a problem. They claim but, it's an emergency. But <laughs> it's like... It's it's their way of saying, like, if you're having an emergency, it <laughs> had better fucking be an emergency. Right. Because we're going to send sailors here. But so anyway, we're walking around the bridge. And... Uh, and you know, and people are there's a very small group of us, and people are asking him polite questions like, what does this knob do? And what's the, you know, what are what's this knob do? Like nobody's got nobody knows what to say to a sea captain. And so so I said, What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen you come out of the sea? And he says, I saw a sunfish, which is an enormous fish. A perfectly round fish that floats on the top of the, floats on the surface of the sea, and they're very rare. nobody ever sees them. Wow, and I saw one, and I didn't know what it was. <clears throat> this is
0: not it's, a cryptozoological thing this is like this has been legitimated a, by schools and stuff,
1: so he has seen one, and he's this is a guy who spent fifty years on the sea or whatever. He says I've seen a sunfish, and I didn't know what it was. It freaked me out because it's enormous, right? It's the size of a trampoline or something right. And then he said, I saw a second one and I knew what it was by that point. And I marveled at it. So I was like, okay, weird creature of the deep. And then I said, in all these years of staring out at the sea, have you ever seen any UFOs? Just, just, just like that without any kind of like. Just, I was just like, all right, sci-fi Star Trek captain, let's get down to the nitty gritty. You are standing on this bridge, staring out at the open sea for years at a time. Let's hear your UFO shit. At that moment, all of his crew, like all of the junior officers or whatever, they all stare at their shoes. And I was like, oh. And the captain says, I've seen lights over the Bahamas that behaved unlike a ship or a plane. Mm. Unexplained lights over the Bahamas.
0: You must when you're in, like coming up in, in whatever the navy is in Canada. You you must see all you must have so many hours you spend visually identifying what something is or what something could be. You must get really good at that over time. It's
1: all you do. I mean there were there would were guys you would know, you would know. It
0: would be like all day long you're inspecting hot dogs and suddenly there's a poodle there and you go I definitely know that this does not belong
1: here. <laughs> yeah. These guys are standing on this up uh, uh, with this like 200 degree view looking out onto a perfectly flat ocean. And you can see to the horizon in every direction. And that's all they do. They just sit there and stare out. And every once in a while, they raise some binoculars to their eyes. And they look out and see, I don't know what, flotsam? Jetsam? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And so when a sea captain tells me unexplained lights over the Bahamas, and he says, unlike a ship or a plane. So that implies that they're kind of down in the ship area. But they're not acting like a ship. I was like, okay, okay, sea captain. That's a good story. And then I said, "What's the tall?" Or I said, "Did you ever see a rogue wave?" And he said, "I've I've talked to captains that have encountered rogue waves, but I've never seen one." So that was interesting. That's a wave out of nowhere that's improbably high. Massive wave out of nowhere, where you're just sitting on a calm sea, and then all of a sudden, whoa, super wave! And then the last question I said was, "What's the what's the tallest sea you ever saw?" And he said, "I was captaining a freighter." I was captain in a freighter out of Newfoundland. Oh, I love this story already. And he said, "I was south of Greenland during the perfect storm." The actual, oh, the, the famous one from the movie, the famous perfect storm. And he said, "The bridge on that ship was fifty feet off the sea." And he said, "I had to lean forward and look out, look up out the window to see the crests of the waves." Oh my god! And I was like. That's a good story, sea captain. I'm, I'm really warming up to you. I want to sit here on the bridge and ask you more and more questions. But then they, shuff, they, they shuffled us away. They shuffled, they shuffled the rest of us away, but Will Wheaton stayed behind to talk about. the. La- I, I, I stayed in the door to watch their exchange, and the captain was like, what was it like to be in Stand By Me? I mean, he was just a super fan. I love that. <laughs> and Will was like, well, you know, it's been 30 years since Stand By Me, and they both marveled at that. Will says he's a gracious guy, though. Like He he handles a situation like that well. He is amazing at that. He's such a he's such a he's a good fellow. Yeah. So anyway, that was very interesting. But it can and you know what? We were in the Bermuda Triangle while we were having this conversation. That's not smart. We were sailing through the Bermuda Triangle while I conjured up uh, alien stories from the sea captain. And I, I swear all of his staff got really uncomfortable when we started talking about UFOs.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe the sea captain isn't supposed to be. He's not. He's not supposed to let there be anything that he doesn't control. I can think of a lot of, or at least a handful of reasons. I mean, one the, the
0: first reason, if this was a movie, was that it was something everybody saw and agreed with, and it was a known thing that everybody, lots of people had seen, and you don't uh, talk about because of Omerta. Uh, uh, then the, the other one would be. Uh we're pretty sure he didn't really see that and he keeps talking about it a lot. And that's the kind of thing where somebody somebody uh somebody calls the Delaware boats to uh you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I didn't get the sense that they were uncomfortable like here he goes again. <laughs> it was a night just like this. Uh, but I do feel like there there might be some omerta of the sea. Mm-hmm. Like first rule of of sea captaining is don't talk about sea captaining. Uh, where you're like, yeah, there are fucking aliens living under the ocean.
0: It'd be hard and- to train.
1: It'd be hard to train if that were actually the rules of Sea Captain and Club. <laughs> no, you just you walk around behind another Sea Captain and he tells you nothing. You follow <laughs> him for long enough so you get, you get, you you get you the swagger. That,
0: you realize that, that he was you the whole time. <laughs> 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 the, ca- the call's coming from inside the captain.
1: Mmm, uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> uh-huh.
0: Uh Welcome back. Did you get to yeah. go to that weird island on Haiti, uh, where, where the person no. got lost? Did you get to go no, to that?
1: We, we didn't go to Haiti this time. It was a, it was there was it was, was very little. I I stayed off of St. Thomas because I had a, I had a bad experience the last time I went to St. Thomas. Not a uh, there was nothing terrible about it. I just had an unenjoyable time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did go to St. Martin, which I which I like a lot, and uh, had a very nice time in St. Martin. Although my daughter barfed.
0: Wait a minute! You brought your family. Oh, absolutely! The whole gang. I, I thought part of your omerta of the sea is you were never bringing your family again.
1: Well, you know, I I have my room, which is provided for me by the Joko Cruise, uh, where <laughs> I they're down in steerage, where I ensconce <laughs> myself, <laughs> and then they all have cabins, right? Normal okay. cabins for normal people on normal. Floor. Did
0: you bring the entire complement of women in your life?
1: I did. I got the like every woman I could think of. All three of them. <laughs> uh, let's see. There were one, two. Before five, whoa, five family ladies. I didn't bring every woman I could think of. That would be a hell of a, <laughs> of a weird cruise. But, <laughs> oh my uh, god, that's,
0: that's the stuff of nightmares.
1: But, oh my god, I mean,
0: every single it's a it's a bespoke cruise where every single person on there is a
1: woman that you've wronged. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I it, depending if there was a code of conduct that everybody had to agree to before we got on the boat, maybe it could be a fun cruise. <laughs> but if I, but I get the feeling. Knowing the people that I've known, they would all agree to the code of conduct with no intention of upholding it.
0: Absolutely not. I would not. Uh, sure. But I mean, can you imagine the kind of uh, breakout receptions that they're having? It could be regional. It could be from a certain time. It could be from a certain industry. There, there, there might just be people that, you know, worked at Barsook, and they, they would have a meeting over here you know well, on the, sure, the uh, alito deck on the Alito sure, deck
1: or the ones that would bump into each other on the deck and go oh my god you look exactly like me what does that say oh my god and you'd be like no 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 totally coincidence and they have the doc martin breakout room uh, everybody, everybody playing in games there, in the basement wait and they they look and they all have roadrunner tattoos <laughs> <laughs> Huh? Uh, what? <laughs> he, he made you give one too
0: <laughs> oh god that would be so awful <clears throat> uh,
1: so yeah that was fun and uh, you know and the, the family uh, the family there were enough family members that they could entertain themselves and my daughter was old enough to go to the um, what she called the it was the preschool right that they have a they have daycare preschool fun place for kids which, uh, which she mispronounced as the Aquanuts. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm an Aquanut. Take me to the Aquanuts. And I was like, Aquanuts. That's cute. Is, is exactly right. And that's when our podcast turned into Cute Things the Kids Say. What about the soft serve machine? Did she ever discover that? <clears throat> she knew all about it. She knew about it long before we got on the boat. That was a destination I- <clears throat> for us. It was for me last you just, year. You just walk airport. up to it and get soft serve anytime you feel like it. But I, I only went there once this time. I never went to Johnny Rockets a single time. What? I basically just sat on, the, sat on my balcony and <clears throat> calculated trajectories for 12-pound cannonballs uh, <laughs> for everything that we passed. <clears throat> I was like, could I hit that with a 12-pound cannonball? Could I hit that with a 12-pound cannonball? I spent a lot of time doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, next year, I, I, I don't want to turn this into an advertisement, an unpaid advertisement, I might add for the Joko cruise, mm-hmm. but next year we're, we're, we're going to buy out taking over an entire boat
0: mm-hmm.
1: and leaving from San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be bananas. It's mm-hmm. already bananas. That's a, it's a real, it's actually a really good idea. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be totally crazy. And we have discussed at length different stratagems to prohibit sea monkeys from turning it into a clothing optional cruise because I know there are at least 150 of them that would take off all their clothes the moment they got on the boat. You, you think so? Oh, yeah. Well, it's part of the, you know, it's part of the sex positivity of of the overarching doctrine of nerdism, mm-hmm. which says, hey, if, you know, like, what's the matter? Why don't body shame me? I want to be naked right now. Would they still wear shoes? Mm, flip-flops uh, the yeah. worst shoe of all uh-huh. uh and so i i so i absolutely as soon as it was as soon as we even started talking two years ago about taking over a whole boat i was like fucking nerd sex crews uh, watch out and so then we started all talking about it like what are we gonna do like is if this just turns into a total pig pile right like a <laughs> like, like a sex pyramid <laughs> um i like how is that gonna go over there? Are kids Aww. on the boat. I'm not sure that I wanna go. I mean, you know, like there's a game room, but what if there was what if the, everybody was naked in the game room? <laughs> Sticking twenty sided die up one another. No, uh, playing another's. cones of Dunshire, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh but I think <sighs> we've got I think we have we've covered that now. We've discussed it sort of op- somewhat openly with everybody and said, like, well, it's a family cruise. You can be naked in your room, but you always could have done that. Is it a
0: family cruise?
1: I bring my family, as previously noted. <laughs> I'm not
0: sure that makes it a family cruise. Uh, uh, it depends on I'm what you sure. call family. Family, I, that's a terrible word that gets used to mean too many different things by terrible people. Right. But uh, I, I, you could bring kids on that. I, I don't know if it's the, the best thing. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because what that cruise seems to have become over the years is very much its own thing to where it seems like – and I just want to also credit the folks who run it. Like, you know, especially what Paul – goes through with the work that he does on that i mean i know he's not the only one there's a whole staff but i mean like my god the, the, just the huge amount of work to make everybody as happy as they can be made is staggering but it really seems like it's become something how do i put this in a nice way it's it's definitely still the joko cruise right but it's kind of it's really about the folks who go on it now and jonathan doesn't really need to be there for it to be the joko
1: cruise i've been saying for a few years now that the final the final uh, iteration of this the final form, if you mm-hmm. will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the Joko Cruz will be uh, where Jonathan has become a Colonel Sanders, <laughs> where he's he has just he has gone into the illustration of himself. I get it. He's just a hologram. He, you know, he's you could, waiting. But there. you
0: could hire any competent professional actor yeah. singer to yeah. to be Jonathan. It could just be a guy who comes around and, and seems pretty nervous, and you're not sure why.
1: Yeah, do you remember in the what, late seventies, early eighties, when Ronald McDonald suddenly was a woman or looked like a woman?
0: I've seen the hot Japanese version, a uh, hot female Japanese version of Ronald McDonald. I don't remember. Is it, is it like is it like Mister Noodle, where suddenly it was Kristen Chenoweth?
1: Uh I'm not sure. I get that reference.
0: No, oh, you didn't of- do Sesame Street, huh?
1: Well, of course I did Sesame Street. Who's well, Mr. Noodle? Oh, for the love of Christ. Is this,
0: this is late period. It's inside, it's inside. I mean, with your child, John, inside of Elmo's World, there's oh, no, a segment no, 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 no. I where know, I think I it haven't. was initially uh, that nice guy from Evening Shade who passed a few years ago. And then it was uh, Bill Irwin. I forget who came first. Bill Irwin, the wonderful, talented you know, uh, actor and uh, mime guy. And then at some point they brought in um, uh, Ms. Noodle, or Ms. Noodle, which is uh, Kristen Chenoweth, the, the, the wonderful actress and singer. So Mr. You, Noodle, Mr. Noodle has problems. He's having problems. You never, you, you never
1: saw Mr. Noodle? You are shooting con- word confetti out of a cannon at me right now. I, I have no idea what any of those words mean. I, I recognize them as English words. Really? Uh, from before my daughter was born, I had one exposure to Elmo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it, no, 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 no. Well, he's pretty cute. Well, but this is I, I, I'm basing all this on one exposure, right? Little kids. Oh,
0: really? Okay. All right. I have, I have great idiots. memories. Of, we were not a giant Elmo house. Oh, can I, can I tell you a cute, cute story? You have, you've it. seen Elmo on the show, right? I know what an Elmo is. And he basically, at the end, he sings a, he, he sings a song about whatever the topic was, and he always sings it to the tune of Jingle Bells so he goes jacket 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 or like you know whatever shoebox 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 whatever it is. he sings this little song i do not find this cute oh well, i haven't gotten to the cute part yet you know what never mind you don't get no, no, it no. No, okay go ahead okay you know uh for my Manson, he has a little furry penis no not that i've seen i haven't seen that episode that might be one of the lost episodes Never mind. Now you don't deserve this sweet story. <clears throat> but, we, uh, but because we'd seen so many Elmos, and he always sang the jingle bell song. When my daughter uh, saw something red, she would point to it and say "ha ha ha," and that's how my daughter said red. She said "ha ha ha" to the tune ha, of jingle ha. bells. It was really like cute. It. Also, uh, another cute one uh, to describe something as little, she would go. Uh, uh,
1: uh. How cute is that? That is cute. We hear. What, when you hear. A big was. Uh, okay. What's big? <clears throat> what was big? Oh, sure. That is big. <laughs> kids are awesome so mr uh, noodle we're going to i have kept uh, elmo as i have kept dora
0: oh you chose
1: correct you chose correctly there my friend yeah well but uh, but elmo too like i lump elmo and dora together into a category of thing that i never let pass the threshold Mm. and so I have no, I have no idea what a Mister Noodle is. Huh. I do not know the name of Nora's little monkey friend, or Dora, or whatever. Huh. And huh. Th- their little whiny voices and their massively pedantic version of what uh, of, of, of like how to communicate with kids—that's excruciating. I do not have it in. And now you know I came downstairs this morning. Oh my god, we're turning into a fucking dad podcast. Mm-hmm. Now our dad our dad jokes have been getting worse and worse. Or at least mine have. But now we're talking about our kids at, at length. But I came downstairs this morning, and she was sitting at the table all by herself, reading aloud from her Dick and Jane book. Oh! And I, I bought the Dick and Jane book and said, listen, because there's all these, like, how to teach your kids to read app or whatever, you know. And I said, I learned to read with Dick and Jane as my mother and father before me, and she will learn to read from Dick and Jane. That's nice. Keep it modern. Dick Dick sees spot. Spot runs. Go, spot, go. Oh, oh, oh. Spot. Spot.
0: That's amazing. You haven't read it in years <laughs> and you still remember so much of the. That's the setup
1: for the story. Because I heard it this morning. I came downstairs and she's sitting there all by herself at the table reading aloud from Dick and Jane. And I was like, "There it is. There it is. Yep. All in a nutshell. She'll be fine now. She doesn't need anything else. Mm-hmm. She's been. We've set her on the right path. She's already been told what to read. She's already, already ready, ready, ready to go now. Dick and Jane. See that, isn't spots. that a nice feeling though? That's. I mean, the whole reading thing is a nice feeling. That's very nice. But, but so she recognizes what a Dora is. She knows what an Elmo is too. She has seen them. She's seen them in the wild, right? You're walking through a. You're walking through a Target because oh, a Target boy. Whew. Daddy needs a spatula. Mm-hmm. And she hmm. goes, what, you don't get your spatulas at Target? You said, hmm, like that's not where you get spatulas. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'd love to
0: talk about Target. We, 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 I love going to Target. Mm-hmm. I, do, you, I, do you call it Tarjay? No, I haven't called it Tarjay since 1992. <laughs> that, was, that was funny for like an hour. Yeah. It's like your friend's mom who always says, thank you. Like, stop doing that. That's not funny anymore.
1: Whose friend's mom says thank you? Uh,
0: thank you. What does that mean? Oh, it's 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 a line where somebody says, "Oh, I don't know, I don't really like Kim Kardashian that much," and she goes, oh, "Thank
1: you." Oh, I see a uh, an affirmative. Uh, yeah, thank you. Right. <laughs> well, I think we've talked about this before, but do you do you remember in the in the mid eighties when all of a sudden everybody was saying, "Yeah, it is." oh yeah have we yeah. discussed this
0: i have i still have a lot of these ticks i haven't gotten rid of and i'm I, I don't want to delve into it too far because i still have a lot of terrible ticks that i i'm not proud of you mm-hmm. <laughs> like the sniffing like always sniffing not always sniffing you're always sniffing you're always sniffing you've you've done 190 <laughs> episodes of the show and you still don't clear your throat before <laughs> you pick up the phone uh, what would that what would that even entail you're, t- you're talking about like before you pick up the phone. I don't want. I honestly don't want to think about
1: it too much. I don't know what it would entail.
0: I love Target. I love, and especially we went the other day and we got so much good stuff. Oh, I can't even tell you how much great stuff we got at Target.
1: Have you noticed at Target that all the boy clothes and the girl clothes Ugh. are completely sequestered from one another? You do not want to fucking get me started on this. <laughs> the boy clothes all have cool cars and. And rocket ships and skulls and crossbones and the girl clothes are just like ugh. Oh no, we walk we walk right past. There's no point. And here's the other thing: like
0: I went to get. I actually I was gonna get my kid. And we, so my kid leaves things on the playground. She forgets her jackets. She forgets jacket jacket jacket. She forgets her jackets. She forgets her water bottles. <laughs> we're constantly you know we're working on this, right? She's great mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. But so I'm getting her more like cheap jackets. You know they're oh, kind of like good strategy yeah I mean not cheap I mean but you know inexpensive because I figure you know I'm going you know, those- to give her an heirloom jacket <laughs> and you, so you walk and the girls section is like everything's pink la la and you la-la. walk in there it's all shit it's all you know what they have cool belts they have cool belts that are fun uh, they have they have some cool underwear but then if you want anything decent you have to go to the boys area. Because they just assume that every girl is going to dress like some, somebody who falls down a well and waits to be rescued. <laughs> it's so goddamn annoying. And so I go to Amazon and I say, okay, I want to get her a new hoodie. I want to either get her a Minecraft hoodie. I want to get her a hoodie from the cat game. I want to get her a Pusheen hoodie. I go in, I do a search. You know what you see under clothes? You see men's clothes. You see women's clothes. And you see boys' clothes. Unless you search for something really insipid and fucking pink. And then you get, tee, tee, down here there's girls' clothes. <laughs> it's got a ruffle and it's purple. Beep, oh, boop, boop. Tee-hee. My kid does not dress. I mean, like, when she dresses like the other day, like to go to Target, she wears like horizontal striped uh, uh, leggings with, oh. a, with a frilly, ridiculously frilly, looks like a loofah skirt and a Captain America shirt and then a headband with ears. That's how my daughter dresses. She wears right. whatever the fuck she feels like and it's unerringly hilarious. Right. What she rarely does is go, I want to look like somebody from, from Frozen. It's just, oh. it's so, and I'm not even against Frozen. It's just that I'm so tired of that. Anyway, sorry. There's a dumb no. dad of a daughter thing that it, you won't appreciate until you're there. Let alone, let alone go to Target to try to find a Ray character. Oh, you can ride by
1: a whole big pack of Star Wars boys. You can get three different fucking stormtroopers and there's no Ray. Well, that, that seemed like, that seemed like a, a truly a cultural moment. When it was like, oh, we didn't want we didn't want to put Ray characters out there because we It'll didn't be want to spoil the surprise. It'll spoil the
0: movie that the the star of the movie is in the set. No, there's honestly a hilarious set of Force Awakens, eh, probably twelve inch size characters, and it's got Finn, it's got Poe, it's got uh, uh, Han Solo's son, uh, it's got a stormtrooper, and it's got another stormtrooper. Right. Oh, yeah, but there's no Ray uh, in there. You
1: know, I had a I had an interesting insight: two anonymous stormtroopers and no Ray. Leaving that aside, which Sorry. is which is incredible, Ray is one of my favorite characters uh, in contemporary cinema, and she I can't perfectly, wait to see what to She perfectly embodies what
0: that movie needed to be, and it would not have been the same movie without her. Yep, she's, but, the, she's
1: the fan on the screen, and it was perfect. But I had a I had an interesting insight yeah. into the film. You know, I I, <clears throat> I hesitated to criticize the Star Wars movie at all because you know, yeah. as much as I like it, <laughs> there's letters, a lot of good reasons to, to not <clears throat> do that. Yeah, as much as I like getting letters, mm. I uh, I did not want to get any letters about this. But I, but I was uh, this this was one of those things as I was walk, I was walking along, and all of a sudden, like an acorn fell on my head, and I said, "Wait a minute. Why didn't they do it that way? You know that feeling mm-hmm. when you're like, Wait, yeah, why sure. Why didn't they do it that way? I feel that way about lots of things. What was it in this case? Well, in this case, the Han Solo son. Yeah, right." Yeah, not Which, not a fan. Whose name is uh, Paco Rabanne or whatever? Um, <laughs> Alon- Alonzo. It's uh,
0: funnier if I don't laugh, but that's so perfect. Um, yeah, wait, Alonzo Morningstar. What's <laughs> his name? His name is uh, Rilo Kiley.
1: Yeah, Friedrich uh, von Struchenstrassa. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, his first appearance oh, in the film man. is in his guise, right? Oh, his his oh, guise is as, a terrible error. Terrible. As Darth error. Warth or warp, yes. warty wharf mark, or whatever. And you see him, and he appears, and you're like, oh, here's the new bad guy. Uh-huh. And then as the, as the film progresses, you see that he is not really in his full... He is not fully in his... Uh, in his he's, not, he not, he's not his full Pokemon yet. Yeah, right. Like, when, when Darth Vader and the generals, the high-ranking soldiers have encounters, you see that they are terrified of him hmm but when they have even though I, even though what
0: was so effective in those movies is you understand that darth vader has a boss but it's still darth vader that everybody's scared of everybody's scared of darth and you're not sure what his rank is right he's kind of feels like not a rogue but not but he's he's almost like a consultant like he's been brought in to make sure you rebuild this fucking death star and this is this needs to happen
1: yeah right i mean and, and pray i
0: do not alter it further
1: in, in the way in a way that he is like he is he's a mini emperor, right? Mm-hmm. but in the new star wars movie the uh the Paco Raban character does not have very much authority, right? The general is openly contemptuous of him, and he doesn't really have a very good retort, but he's in this like amazing gas mask
0: costume. yeah, I like this voice. I thought that was cool.
1: but then as the as the film unfolds, the mask comes off and you see that he's just sort of a callow male model, mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, it was very clear why Darth Vader wore the mask, because he was hideously disfigured.
0: Yeah, I mean, even before you learned all the, you know, recon details of it, like, you could tell that he was, he was, he was messed up in a number of ways. Yeah, the he mask ne- was, He needed
1: that to live, probably. The mask was breathing for him, <laughs> and the stormtroopers wore masks because it wasn't clear whether or not they were robots mm-hmm. at first, right? Mm. Yeah, totally. Right, for the longest time, we thought they were robots, and then it turned out they were clones. I mean, they were they were, they were basically
0: they were they were like Nazis in a World War II movie.
1: Yeah, they were just right. like it's like generic totally people to be shot. But as the film unfolds, then the 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 Paco Raban character uses his mask less and less until he just seems like a teenager uh, running around, very petulant. He's all, it's more, he always it's more looks, like a bandana. It's like yeah. he he just wears it when he feels like it. And, and, and it's never explained what the purpose of it is, except that it's just an affectation. It's just like a, it's just like a hat, except it covers his face. Why didn't they start the movie with him without his mask? And that's why nobody respects him yet. He's walking around in a cape. He's obviously a Jedi. But he's, a, he's an well, idiot. He, well, at
0: the very least, he's Force-sensitive. We don't know if he, maybe not, Jedi-person. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For I'm so, I can't believe what I just did. I'm so sorry. It's, no, it's quite all right. I'm cutting but, that out. Oh, my but, God. But I just a, actually you
1: about Star Wars. There's a, there's a reason that he's there, and that's because he has Force power, mm-hmm. right? And But the generals are contemptuous of him because he can't quite lift them off the ground and make them choke yet, right? So so he's it's some kind of thing where he is being groomed by the new emperor, right? But he's still a kind of a callow teenager, and that's why nobody takes him seriously. And then, over the course of the film, right. he in, he inherits the helmet because something. I get it, right? Mm-hmm. Why why do it the the reverse way where we're set up to think like, oh, this guy looks mean; he's going to be mean. And then, over the course of time, we're already trying to we're already trying to. By the end of the first film, we're already in this in this. Mode of like, is he going to be? Is he savable? Is he going to be rescuable? We didn't even set him up as like, as like a a, a guy whose bitterness turns him to the dark side increasingly. Mm-hmm. We already, it's he's already like, oh, he doesn't know whether he's bad or not. I just feel like, come on, come well, on. Writers. something a lot
0: of people have said about a lot of things related to Star Wars that that I happen to agree with, and we'll make this short because I just I can't handle the email. But, uh, one of the great things about and something Syracuse and I talked about in terms of like why how it's like Fury, Fury Road in some ways, the first Star Wars, very little is done. To explain what everything means. True, there's so much just pure action and exposition, just based on what you're looking at right now. That's the expo- exposition. Is that like there's there's these robots? Sorry, that's just all. We, that's all we have time to explain because there's so much story to get through here.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: <clears throat> and like you know, and you know, there's all kinds of things that people spent years wondering about and so forth. But like what you're describing here, we didn't understand what darth vader was or how he was and we certainly didn't understand what the force was other than there was a lot of hand waving about it some kind of cosmic force but we didn't know how powerful darth vader could be because we how he you know or what his weaknesses were for that matter all we saw was that like oh my god you do not want to tangle with this guy because obviously everybody's scared of him i mean he can choke you you know right right but like you know the the less we knew the more interesting he was
1: well, and maybe Dar- – I mean, do you remember feeling like Darth Vader might have been a robot, a magic robot? Absolutely. very, Absolutely. Um, Especially on the first
0: viewing, like it seemed it, – yeah, I, I always assumed the stormtroopers, just because of their movements, were whatever the galaxy faraway version of human was.
1: Oh, you knew that there were humans inside the stormtrooper? Uh,
0: well, they didn't move like robots. If they wanted to telegraph that they were robots, it seems they would have handled that differently.
1: So Cylons yeah. were mm-hmm. post-first Star Wars. Yes, because Cylons were clearly robots. Cylons
0: were clearly uh let's say it a rip off of stormtroopers but that who were definitely robots.
1: Yeah, right. And and I think I think that I, w- I was coming at it from more of a like um stormtroopers were proto Cylons. Oh, I see. Because uh, because again, what do they need the masks for? Yeah. Masks are uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh uh, and and it's never it's never specified like do the masks let them see uh, Terminator style? Are the, are the uh, yeah. eyepieces giving them additional information? We didn't know. We didn't know. didn't know. Does it let them breathe on foreign planets where there isn't oxygen?
0: Mm-hmm. No. Don't, no idea. No idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Target. <clears throat> what do we end up getting? We got a lot of good stuff. We got some great clothes. We did something we don't usually do, which is we got her uh, some uh, uh, branded franchise clothing for a property that's not even out yet. But I'm, oh, I, can, I can already tell we're going to like it. So, got to do, assist- you want to know, do you want to know what just happened to me? No. What?
1: Well, I was walking across the room and I accidentally unplugged my headphones. Oh, okay. And when I came back, you had completely changed the topic. Oh, dear. Yeah. So fast. It mm-hmm. almost never happens like that. And I didn't hear the transition, right? So I was like coming back in, plugging my headphones back in. I said, like, All right. I said Zootopia. Yeah. And you were just like, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Just as as if we had been talking about your daughter's clothes the entire time.
0: I love Target. We got all kinds of stuff there. We didn't get a spatula. <laughs> we got a lot of good stuff. What do we get? What do we get? We got some clothes for her. We got oh, we got her a little uh, terrarium. Uh, you know, you know what's nice to get at Target? What's
1: what's that? Uh, do you have sensitive skin?
0: Uh, well, I mean, it's you know, it, it doesn't like getting its feelings hurt like anybody.
1: Right, but I mean, you are uh, touchy, you're, but you're essentially a Northern European.
0: I, I, I know – I don't want to say too much here, but I, I know that you, you have uh, – you've suffered in silence. I know, for example, that your head sometimes is allergic to itself. Uh, my head
1: and face are both allergic to themselves. Okay. And I cannot abide any kind of real perfume, um, and I cannot use normal soap. If I wash my clothes in typical normal laundry detergent – I will get an enormous, uh, complete body heat rash that sometimes swells my skin up so that it is like an inch puffier than it normally is. Which oh, that's, is that's miserable. It is awful. Um, it's terrible. If somebody else washes my clothes, I basically have to wash them again. Um, because if I put them on, I will get, I mean, everywhere the clothes touch my skin, I will get this awful heat rash. That that is like swollen and burns and doesn't go away. I have to lay naked on a on a cool sheet mm. and fan myself with a magazine, and mm-hmm. it is. It's, any,
0: any particular kind of magazine?
1: It has any, to be like a, light, a dwell, like a dwell. No, I don't get dwell anymore. Mm-hmm. I I I felt burned by dwell. Yeah. Right, I got it for a while, and I was like, "Dwell, this is this is gonna be
0: this is things, things with horizontal slats are gonna get big pretty soon." I, yeah, kind of I'm feeling. gonna
1: live in a shipping container. Hooray for me! Mm, and then after, barefoot after, children play under the stairs, <laughs> beep boop. <laughs> after a while, I realized that it was they were just taking pictures of the same house from different angles. See, yep. That took me two years to figure that out. Yeah, it's so the was, same house. That glass door looks
0: familiar. And and that's you know, a really nice deck. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, Why is that? I've, that child has the same
1: toys. What? This house has a garage. The child has the two. same three toys as every child in these. No, thank you. There was absolutely no aesthetic variation after like five hundred. This is where Connor inches. keeps his ball. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a little nook, a reading nook. It's a reading nook that's shaped like the inside of a parachute. This uh, is, and, uh, and, and, this is our, you... our
0: our 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 crying uh, bidet, and uh, <laughs> over here we have our. <laughs> Our mud palace. And and those those aren't
1: real things. Yes, she's a documentary
0: filmmaker, and Mm -hmm. he's kind of a videographer. He used to make apps. Now he's working on something he can't
1: talk about. He can't talk about it. And Tyler loves his little ball. But here's what I get at Target, which is cheer-free.
0: Cheer-free.
1: Cheer Cheer is a laundry detergent. Cheer-free. But cheer-free has Uh, no... No chemicals. It has no stuff in it. It has (laughs) chemicals. I don't know what they are. I think cheer-free is just, I think, I think a couple of guys go uh, over a barbed wire fence to the dumpster outside of a liposuction facility. Oh, nice. And they get some bags of human fat, and then they render it with lye, and that is what cheer-free is. Hmm. So it doesn't, your clothes don't smell like any kind of perfume. And Cheer, they, cheer-free, get some skin in the game. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it yeah. doesn't make my, it doesn't make my body attack itself.
0: Interesting, and, so, and introduces like an, some kind of, what do you call it, an antibody? I don't know. Or I want to a it might, This might be a homeopathy, John. You might be doing homeopathy. It might be. It might take a little bit of human skin to make your skin not be bothered. Interesting. But it's at such a microdose that it literally can't do anything useful.
1: Maybe it's microdosing me with LSD and I just don't realize that my skin is Oh, small. maybe you're in you're maybe you're in Dick Cheney's bunker. <laughs> <laughs> uh he i and fred durst are just sparking a doobie going, rah, rah. no 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 <laughs> ever since we mentioned that the last time i have the walls again fred <laughs> i've had more fred durst mentions in my mentions uh, than i ever wanted and i don't want to think about him i do not want to think about him but so uh we, we I, never I, know what's going to endure
0: when we say it it's we, we might say something we may say something wrong like something that's not even correct we might say something ironically like as a as a, as a jokey joke and that becomes what people remember. It's a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility
1: to have such, well, to be fucking headphony, award-winning podcasters. That's
0: true. So, so this keeps you, so you, you, you've had good experience with this and you can buy a,
1: a big bottle of it at Target. and Get it at Target, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I went to the dermatologist, right? I've told you this story. And mm-hmm. the dermatologist said, I don't know what your problem is. You're allergic to yourself. And I said, "That's a terrible thing to say to somebody that they're allergic to themselves." And he That's said, "That's what you, you know,
0: say right before you send someone to the fucking Mayo Clinic. Yeah. You don't
1: just trot somebody out of their office with stuff like that." Yeah, I don't want to be a boy in the bubble. And he was like, "No, you're just allergic to your your skin oil." And I was like, "My skin oil?" He was like, "Yeah, you can't. You know, you have to just. You, you can't just let it uh, sit on your skin because it will just your bo- your body will." <laughs> Go after it, and I was like, "Checks checks out. Story checks out. Come on, give me something. You know, give me something to write on, man." So yeah, so So I go to
0: Target for that, and that's good, and spatulas. Yeah. <clears throat> what else did we get? Uh, we were going to get bowls. I didn't like the bowls. Nope. Don't like their bowls. Uh, there's a lot of things we didn't buy there, but we ended up spending like $400, though. We got a lot of stuff.
1: I go up and down the aisles. You mm-hmm. know, did you know this about me, that when I go into a store, I have to go up and down every aisle? Every time? It's not, it's not, it doesn't, it's not OCD-ish. No, certainly not. No, 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 no. Just you're organized. You got, you just, got, a, you got a way you like to do things. I want to walk down every aisle and see what's there. How? What are you? How are you gonna? How are you gonna live with yourself if you go out of the store? You didn't walk down the one aisle that had something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So when I go to Costco, whenever I go to Costco with with uh, anyone who knows me, they're like, "Please don't go up and down every aisle. We're just here for the for the seventy five pound bag of peanut brittle."
0: Well, especially accounting for how tall their shelves are, it's one thing to just look at eye level, but if you look at everything on the shelves at Costco and account for the people who are getting the free samples. That's going to be a long day, my friend.
1: Well, it is. It's always a long day. You go in there and you're like, do I need 47 Sharpies? you got to think about it. Think about it. No. Do I need... Well, what do, how much do we really need in life? Well, it's true, but every every once in a while... I w- what was the last thing I went in there and I thought I needed? Uh, it was some kind of like... Oh, it was maybe one of those ladders that folds into a scaffold that folds into a... Like an origami ladder.
0: Oh, origami ladder. I've seen on TV.
1: Yeah. And no, I those that. are neat. I was like, hmm, maybe I need that. Or maybe I need one of those juicers that goes at 5,000 RPM that turns, uh, that'll turn bricks into a juice. Mm-hmm. But it, end, it ends up, I get the same thing. I get, uh, I, you know, I get spaghetti sauce and I get peanut brittle and then I'm out of there. Mm-hmm. But I still have to go down every aisle. You don't have to, but I mean, right? Mm. You feel like you have to. If I go in and somebody's like, you are forbidden from going up and down every aisle. I I can hang, I can hang with that, <clears throat> if I'm if I'm expressly forbidden I can I can go all right all right. But
0: you'll do seafood, and automotive, and drinks, mm-hmm. and deli. Yep. Garden supplies. Oh yeah. Furniture. For sure. Huh. Oh, definitely office supplies and safes, right? Well, yeah, but socks and and bedding. Oh, you and go through the like middle. That. You go through that big middle part. I like, middle. I like the, I like the middle part. You know, Costco has a lot of like. For your staple type clothes, they've got they got pretty good socks. They got mm-hmm. pretty good undershirts.
1: All my underwear was from Costco until very recently when I got uh, I got I started getting underwear from this fancy place.
0: Oh, I get in, I get internet underwear, but uh, but there's also the I heard the workout clothes there. I know how you love to work out. They have lots of good workout mm. clothes. They got they probably have BMW pants you can get there.
1: Let me tell you about the underwear I'm wearing right now. Thank you. It, it is lined or not lined. It's knitted with microfibers of silver so people can steal your identity no no no. silver is anti uh bacterial or anti like silver scares all the the Mm. uh the 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 what the living oh the biome the biomes yeah it it scares the biomes and they get out of your underwear (laughs) so the underwear is like you sure it's silver? I don't want to. Imp- I don't want to say it's impregnated with silver. No, that's that's old thinking. But silver mm-hmm. is it's shot, somehow, shot through. Shot through with silver. There you go. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. shot through with silver, so that and it feels just like normal underwear. Huh? But it uh, it, it creates it's your, a, your little secret. It creates an inhospitable environment for all the things that might get in your underwear. I don't oh. know how they get in there.
0: Okay, so and this also, I mean, let's be honest that you you got things like issues of contagion and odor, but also you keep your junk from becoming allergic to itself. But with the silver,
1: I'm I, <clears throat> I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see if that's true. But it, but it feels like an it's an extra layer of protection, and uh, and it's a little secret. Like I'm wearing silver underwear. Yeah, right. And um, they're very comfortable. I don't uh, and and you know and maybe they protect my uh my nether regions from harmful rays. Huh. Are you worried about that? Am I worried about that? Harmful I,
0: rays? I, I I I I think about that. I think about that. Yeah, um I'm very interested. Hmm, what can I say about this? The bad very, guys I, in
1: Star and uh, Star Trek are worried about harmful rays. Get I, it?
0: Harmful, ra- oh, 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 John, oh, Dad, you that joke? That's awfully good. Oh, thanks. Oh my goodness. Thanks. Ah, uh, now That's, everyone oh. will be laughing yeah. at <laughs> that. <laughs> Lay a wreath on that joke solo, <laughs> Most Eisley, Deaf. <laughs> Um, uh, oh. more like millennial falcon, Berg. millennial falcon. Berg. I
1: knew that if I unleashed the, if I unleashed the, <laughs> the demon jokes. in you, that <laughs> it would just come pouring out like a, like a burst water balloon. I'd become more powerful than you can imagine. <laughs>
0: um, so, you know, I don't know what to say exactly about this, but I'm mm, what's happening. Well, I'm acquainted with someone who's uh, had and having problems with oh. things like worrying about rays. Oh. And I'm trying to learn more about it than just ha-ha chemtrails. And right. And it's, uh, it's super tough and uh, super
1: interesting for there sure. There are a lot of rays. Well, but
0: it's also, like, I'm trying to, like, I I can, so that's enough said about that, yeah. except to say that it is very interesting and very complicated. And I actually, I, I came across an interesting thing on the Reddit where somebody said, you know, you think about when people talk about especially what has come to, what some people have called paranoid schizophrenia, uh, but some kind of like an affective thing. But, you know, you hear things like people saying they think they hear voices, right? Mm-hmm. They think the queen is talking to them. Uh, that they hear voices on the radio addressing them. Uh, there are beams, you know, the, the, there are actually people who do line hats with aluminum foil because they don't want thoughts inserted or removed. All these things, the sad part of this is, the jokes that we make about this is that, the horrible truth is that there are people that, like, believe that more than anything they believe in the entire world. Right. And it is really interesting, but there was, I just, I have a piece, and I haven't read the whole thing yet, but somebody's asking, basically, with what we now call schizophrenia, with those particular symptoms, what did people imagine before the age of electricity. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much thought now about, like, there are rays that are doing this. There are ways of making you, like, see, see certain images, insert and remove thoughts. Like, But the, a lot of those in our age come down to
1: electricity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: what did people, uh, if you like, hallucinate before we had electricity?
1: Well, you know, the spiritualism was a big was a big thing, right? But, there's, so, but
0: part of the paranoid schizophrenia is this—I uh, don't even know if that's exactly the correct term. Forgive me. I, I don't want to be—I'm li- re- really trying not to be insensitive about this because, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it hits close to home. But uh, it's interesting because uh, a lot of it does involve—the paranoid part of the schizophrenia is that they're, they're, it's this very, very strong belief, essentially, that somebody's fucking with you. Right. And that the, the, comp- the complexity of your—the way your mind is
1: working is because something is happening. Well, sure, but wouldn't that just be demons? Right I mean, before, before it was the man, oh like you're bewitched or something. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I don't think that there's anything specific to it being um, like other humans who are messing with you, <clears throat> except right. that in the modern age that seems a lot more plausible than, than demons, right. Or, right or people using like <clears throat> sorcery, right? I guess sorcery would probably okay. be Okay yeah, yeah, that checks out, that yeah. checks out. And uh, a
0: part of it also then is that I think th- the part that makes this so interesting and scary is like the part of it is that it involves somebody who has malicious like ill will for you right. and is acting upon it. A person or a group is acting upon this. You know, they're, they are after you and they are organized. Right. And that they're doing it remotely and that they're doing it through some means of obfuscation, which obfuscation is part of the very thing that is messing with you. So, I mean, like when you, I don't know, maybe I'm being precious about this, but it's super interesting when you break that down into parts. Can you imagine how excruciating that must be?
1: Well, it's awful. To like believe that more than you believe
0: anything in the world.
1: But it's the core of the protocols of the elders of Zion. I mean, people have always attributed that kind of uh, malicious intent to the Jews or to, I mean, the Jews. But, uh, and that's, you know, that was a convenient, the Jews were a convenient scapegoat for all that kind of paranoia for everyone in Europe for years and years and years, decades, hundreds of years. So, and you still see, you still see uh, paranoics everywhere attributing all that mind control to the Bilderberg group or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wonder how, hmm. So would you put chemtrails in that, in that pile,
1: in your reckoning? I mean, the reason that I feel chemtrails is so mockable is that it, it's, it seems much more like one of those conspiracies that isn't founded in in actual mental illness but is founded in the you know the pervasive american tendency that a tendency that the most ignorant people are the ones that are most certain about their beliefs Right. So the people all across the country are absolutely sure that Obama is trying to take their guns or whatever the fuck their current thing is. Right. And chemtrails are just a part of that, which is like they're so profoundly ignorant of how things work and so supremely confident that their interpretation or the interpretation of the radio uh, shock jock that they listen to. And you say this
0: partly as somebody who's a little bit knowledgeable about uh, aircraft. Well, and, how, and, and how the sky works.
1: And, and how governments work. And, and how, exactly. you know, like, right. like the. <laughs> have you ever worked with governments? <laughs> you know, the motivation. What would be required to have chemtrails be a project as big as they say and to keep it all a secret? It's just hilarious. And what is the benefit i mean what would the benefit of mind control be? There's so much mind control already that's just like right in you're just holding it in your hand you're soaking in it, right? right, but it's evident it's right in front of you there's no nobody's trying to do it in secret and there's no and nobody's controlling it like every attempt that they make to exert some sort of um i mean I do believe that it is plausible. I believe that the narrative that the that the that there is some connection between drugs and guns and inner city violence that feels like it was seeded by, um, you know, seeded in some ways unintentionally. The results were unintentional in, in the, to the scale that they were. But like the way that the CIA was drug running and paying for Nicaragua. And giving, giving black people AIDS. Well, and the, the thing is AIDS like. And I introducing crack. But as, the, as
0: like, but to, to, to like, to, to supposedly directly deploy crack into ghettos as reasons.
1: I don't think they're clever enough. I don't think anyone at the CIA is clever, clever enough to orchestrate it. But I to orchestrate what happened. But I do. But there's enough stuff that has been documented, and the and that narrative of like, black power was real. It was having a transformative effect, and then it was completely like wiped off the face of the earth by this s- seemingly like m- like blood wave of drugs that came into the inner cities and the CIA is meanwhile dealing drugs to fund their covert operations? It's just right. like there's just too much going on there to dismiss it wholeheartedly.
0: Well, it's, and here's, here's why I think is that, I mean, there was a time I guess, when there were a lot of rumors and, you know, I have to understand, like what we knew about what the CIA did before the 1970s was it was more like what we know the NSA does now, which is we assume everything. But who knows? But, you know, it was it would be years before we learned a lot about what the CIA had done years earlier. So but for example, like let's say you heard a rumor about the extent to which the CIA wanted to disrupt, humiliate and potentially kill Fidel Castro. Right. And if, if if you heard, you would hear that you might have heard these stories that are so outlandish. <laughs> the, they're that you, trying to make his beard. They're fall trying out. to make his beard fall out. Yeah. Like, but the thing is, apparently they did. The, uh huh. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, this is true. Like trying to poison his food. There are all these different kinds of things. Or, shit, man, look what happened with uh, with all the the guys and people in Russia being poisoned. You know, that that, that guy who was basically poisoned by Putin. It's like, it doesn't take that many stories where you go, oh, geez, like this really is like three days of the Condor. It's really, this is bad. But
1: all of those things you can see, you can picture a guy sitting at his desk with a mustache and he's like. He's got an assignment. He's
0: on an assignment. Like he has a fairly specific assignment to like disrupt. Uh, the, I bet for a long time, a lot of the CIA was causing chaos, disrupt disruption, and lack of trust in a given government. Yeah, right. Before you say like, "Oh, we're going to send in troops," a lot of it might have been like something as simple as make the electricity go off a lot so people don't trust the government. It yeah. could be that's an operational thing I could see people doing at a ground Ex- level.
1: Except you can picture you can picture five people in a in a meeting room where they close the door and it goes. Tss- and then they turn, they flip some switch and the the cone of silence comes down and they're like okay here's what we're going to do but you can't picture five people in a room imagining the scope of we're going to we're going to turn colombian cocaine into a weapon to destabilize the black power movement it's just too it's too there there are too many things that that have to happen that where the logical explanation is much is, is much simpler well, to there's a, say. There's a
0: simpler and more cost-effective and more secretive way to do it that didn't require all of those contortions. Is, is is seeding contrails with chemicals the best way to do whatever it is you think these people are trying to accomplish? Is that the most effective way to do that?
1: Yeah, and that's... that's uh, bananas. It's bananas. And also, like, the story of the Colombian drug cartels that where they came up organically and found a market for this product, and it, it you know, and there was a... Like, that is a story Simon and we know that the CIA interacted with them, but there wasn't, it's much more plausible that that was just capitalism working than that. Anyone in the CIA had a big plan, right? And uh, soldiers came back from Vietnam and they'd gotten hooked on heroin in Asia. And that was, that seems much more organic and natural and, and plausible than that they were intentionally hooked on drugs by the CIA trying to ruin the inner city. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's too many steps in a lot of those conspiracies for it, for it to, for, for me to believe that five guys in a, in a cone of silence had the wisdom to foresee all of this stuff—they're just in there, like and, and, keep, it a, and keep
0: it a secret. And all of those, secret. all of those steps, five guys could not cause that to happen by
1: themselves. Right. So there's a guy with a mustache in a short-sleeved white shirt, smoking a cigarette, and he's got an idea, and it's never be, he's he never has the authority or the budget to pull off a big idea. No one could ever say chemtrails and then have access to the black budget. To create it, right? He'd have to take it up to the head office. The head office is gonna say, Well, we've also we're trying to we're trying to foment a revolution in the following six countries, and we're trying to make Castro's beard fall out. You know, we'll give you a million dollars exploratory funds or whatever. But you know, so that's the that's the main stumbling block with most of those conspiracies, is like backtrace it to the to the guy in a short sleeved shirt that had the diabolical idea and then tell me there's any organization in the world where he can where he can get a powerpoint demonstration up where they give him the the 600 million dollars to pull off his scheme you know right. it's, and, it's nobody just, fi- like, and nobody finds out and nobody finds out Except right i mean, you. Uh, <laughs> like the, the the army chief like the chief of staff of the armed forces doesn't have the authority to and the director of the cia you know they have access to this money but they don't it's not like some kind of situation where they just sweep into a room and say, here's the plan. You know, they're, they're bureaucracies. So that's the, that's the number one thing that causes me to say 99% of the conspiracy theories would require uh, would require a Blofeld. Mm-hmm. And there's, there just aren't any Blofelds. That we know of. Well, I mean, uh, Sergey Brin... <laughs>
0: All right. Did I just oh, say
1: a magic word? Did no, I, that's okay. I can, I, can I do that thing where
0: I read to you from the internet? Oh, please. <clears throat> this is the story of James Tilly Matthews. I sent you a link in the robot. Uh, 1797, he was the first person uh, documented with what we now call paranoid schizophrenia. Oh. And the guy who tended to him was this guy, John Haslam, who wrote a book about what happened with this fella. And the thing that he believed was tormenting him. And you'll see there the illustration that was made of this thing called the heirloom, which is the thing, so in the pre, pre-electricity age, this is the machine that was causing him all this trouble. So I thought you'd enjoy this, but I also would like to read to you the name of the, uh, of the book, diabolical. of the book that John Haslam wrote about this, because it's probably my favorite title of a book ever. This is uh, in 1810. John Haslam wrote a book. It was later shortened to Illustrations of, of Madness. The full title, original title, Illustrations of Madness, Exhibiting a Singular Case of Insanity. And a no less remarkable difference in medical opinions, developing the nature of an assailment and the manner of working events, with a description of tortures experienced by bomb bursting, lobster cracking, and lengthening the brain, embellished with a curious plate. Ah! I love the word assailment. Mm-hmm. So, the heirloom, as, as illustrated here, is what was messing with this guy. The torments included... Uh, induced by the rays of the heirloom, included lobster cracking, during well, which see, the circulation sure you get the lobster cracking. <laughs> no. During which the circulation of the blood was prevented by a magnetic field, stomach skinning, and apoplexy, working with nutmeg grater, which mm. involved the introduction of fluids into the skull. His persecutors bore such names as the middleman, who operated the heirloom, the glove woman, and Sir Archie, who acted as quote unquote repeaters or active warriors to enhance Matthew's tre- torment or record the machine's activities and their leader, a man called
1: Bill or the King. Well, you know. As you describe that, and and this has been true, I think. Of, it sounds I, like an HBO show. <laughs> well, yeah. Wow. Actually, start writing that script. <laughs> but uh, but his description of his tormentors is it equates nicely with how I would describe uh, some of the cast of voices in my own head. Mm. Um, like there, there are like characters or
0: voices, not like hearable voices, but like points of view that you can points uh, of
1: view that have distinct personalities okay. yeah. from one another, right? Okay. Where where you you're walking along and you're and you're in a quietude, and some voice says, "Uh, it's you know, <laughs> hey, dummy, over here." <laughs> yeah, it's it's imperative that we do the following thing, and some other voice says, "What? That's the dumbest idea we've ever had," and after a while, uh, y- y- you have to acknowledge that these are separate, they have separate viewpoints that, and they have personalities, enough to express them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I never, I do not locate those things outside my body and that whatever their torment, um, it just, it seems like a heated discussion. They're, they aren't like, and, and in a way, I, I don't separate myself from them Except uh, curiously, like who am you're, I? You're, your dog's not telling you to go out and kill the people on your mail route or something, right? But but the different personalities that he describes in that, you know, just their character their their character names, their ca- their player character names, <laughs> uh, feel very familiar, right? the the one that the one that's leading the whole thing named Bill or the King <laughs> and, or the King, right? And Bill, the, or Bill or the King, yeah. You know, uh, the the various other sort of sort of traits that are implied by those names. So so it, it it still feels like it still feels like consciousness and personality are on a continuum or on a some sort of bell curve where the vast majority of people are not aware of a of a chorus of voices. And then as the as you get you trail off to a leading edge, there are people that are aware of that of that uh, group of voices but are managing them. And then at a certain point, those voices become become uh, distinct enough that they feel distinct from yourself. Um, wow. And then there are people, that, I guess, on the other end who have no – who have a singular voice, a, a very dramatically singular voice. That they're, that they're aware of
0: – you're saying that people who are aware of as the voice that is them or a singular voice that is external
1: to them. No a singular voice that, that they're aware of as themselves, mm-hmm. right that there is no disagreement within within their own mind that there is a that there's a unity of self and and I guess my confusion is I don't know whether that unity of self perspective is at the at the peak of the bell curve, and that's the majority or mm-hmm. whether that unity of self is also a pathology at the far end of oh, the interesting other well, end of the scale
0: super normal quote unquote or like uh, uniquely unusual to just have one voice in your head.
1: Yeah, the the, 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 the mass of people, the normal, let's say, involves some internal deliberation, but not enough where you're saying that these are distinctive personalities that are arguing, but more that you're like, uh, you know, the devil and the angel on your shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. th- there t- maybe two other perspectives that are kind of arguing with you, but there's not all these... Uh, you know, I would I would describe my own mind as having between six and twelve voices, depending on how quiet I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it, maybe your your normal is is two, you know, good and evil, and then there and then and then the other end of it, the other pathology is just this hyper confidence in one's own, you know, the certitude of one's own mind. I, uh, I I don't know enough about it. And I don't. I'm not sure that it's ever been uh, investigated or discussed in that in those terms. But yeah, well, listening to a lot of schizophrenic descriptions, I feel a kinship with the words they use. I just don't. I just don't know what it would be like to externalize that, and, uh, and 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 feel and be victimized by it. And you know, and hear actually hear voices. So there's that, nothing in those voices awful.
0: that you would find yourself feeling that there's a, a plausible reason to believe they're coming from anything except just what you one might call
1: you. Yeah, my my own uh my own they're not being
0: like inserted, distorted, nope, controlled. No, no, no. They're
1: just a, they're just factions of my own consciousness. Uh and it's part of the mystery of consciousness. But but what's uh what what seems what seems What's so p- troubling is just, I mean, every once in a while, I'll be in the basement of a house, usually a strange house. I'll have headphones on, and I'll be playing the guitar into some kind of, you know, headphone amp. And I'm all dang, da, dang, 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 and it's night. It's dark at night, and I'm down in the basement making rock music in my headphones, and I will hear John from right behind me. Whoa. And I will. Flip off my headphones and leap across the room, you know, spinning in midair in total combat pose. And I'm all alone. And that's happened a few times. Oh, creepy. And each time I, you know, I flee the basement and I go upstairs kind of panting and like, what the fuck? Why do you keep doing that weird voice? Why do you keep shouting in my ear when I'm really having fun playing the guitar? But other than that, there's, you know, nobody's ever like faster pussycat kill, kill. (laughs) Right. Uh, And I, and I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do if that ever happened. And I don't think, I mean, I think I'm long, long past the point where you would have an onset of that kind of mental illness. So I, I, so I feel like I'm wrestling with what I've got, right? My cards have been dealt and, uh, and it's, and it's absolutely manageable.
0: It's well, just, yeah, it's and I more, mean, that's, more curious to me. What you're describing also is something I end up thinking about an awful lot. Um, is that, and it's it's very, very loosely, pff, at length, kind of related to certain ideas about mindfulness and maybe Buddhism. But like, there's one, it's one thing to feel bad, and it's kind of another thing to feel bad about how you feel bad or feel bad about why you feel bad. And it's, it's strange because how manageable it can be to not mind the fact that you don't feel good today. And to kind of accept it as like, well, that's you know, there's just days. There's good days and bad days. But like the thing that really drives one, uh, if you like crazy, is this feeling that like you're aware of the badness of how you're feeling. It's not getting any better, and it's going on over time. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. you're having this constant. You have enough sort of presence of mind to doubt your own uh, perceptions of things to where you don't trust it, and you know you don't trust it. Yeah. I mean, that's hell to me. It'd be one thing to get to where like you're not even aware of. How, like you how, how how bad your dementia is or something like that that's awful for sure but to like see yourself going oh i i i can see where this is heading and it's not good that's the that seems like the worst and then well, you feel bad about it of course
1: that was what was you know that was what has been happening to me for for uh, several years right where i would just look at a situation and i go there is absolutely no despair inherent in this situation mm-hmm. i am just bringing it i'm bringing despair into my into mundane situations, right? If you, if you're having, if you're having a social encounter with somebody. Right,
0: like the the thing that's happening right now does not have any like valence on its own. Like I'm making this what it is.
1: Yeah, I'm in my own kitchen making a cup of tea. There's no, there's no despair. It's all, it's all uh, in me. And, 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 and in that sense, like the, the way that paranoia factors into it is, it 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 it's explainable to me, or it's it's uh, it. I'm sympathetic to situations where you are you're socializing with other people, and you are bringing despair because that that the tension when some when somebody else doesn't understand you, the feeling of isolation from other people, the 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 feeling that other people are sharing love with each other, and you are excluded from that. Like that all makes sense to me, even if it's, even if it is wrong, but I can see where you would get pulled into that. I get pulled into it all the time. If there are five people in a room, there are always going to be moments where I feel like the, like that they are all sharing in something that I'm excluded from. Mm -hmm. And that's not always true. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the center of this, of friendship. But I'm always I'm always vulnerable to getting pulled out of it. But if you're just walking in the forest and looking at the moss, and you feel that that isolation and that that sense of not belonging, then there that that's where that's the 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 bell ringer for me. Mm-hmm. That it's like this is all this is a disease of the mind. Uh, and I still I mean on the Joko cruise, it's always very complicated. Because there are a lot of talented people and they're all together and there's a lot of collaboration, but there's also a sort of like, who's going to sit at the head table? Who's mm-hmm. going to sit next oh, yeah. to Jonathan? You know? Absolutely. Who is, you know, who is Paul F. Tompkins going to choose to sit with? And so everybody, and, and, and to the greater or lesser degrees, people don't care about it, but you'll notice that people do care about it because they are first in the dining room to make sure they secure their seat in the right spot. And that, and, and there are times when I can be high above that and just marvel and laugh and enjoy the way people are and enjoy the kind of social, uh, the the kind of social craziness. Mm -hmm. But there are other times when you're like, I would like to sit next to that person and chat. And instead I'm sitting over here and that feels, and I feel alone. But, but on, on this particular cruise, I had a moment. We were sailing out of a port. a a Caribbean island that I won't name except to say that it's St. Thomas Mm -hmm. that I've already had a bad experience of and I didn't go ashore so I was on my boat and I was lobbing 12 pound cannonballs at the port all afternoon and we're sailing out and the sun has gone down and we're sailing past St. Thomas which is a beautiful island to appraise from a quarter of a mile right from offshore it's gorgeous and and uh, and the the harbor of uh, uh, Amelie, whatever the town is that we go into. The, um, it's one of those perfect harbors where you're just like, this is the most gorgeous place I've ever seen. Surely this town is a tropical paradise. And you get on shore and it's just like, hey, buy Tanzanite or whatever. There's nothing there. Right? Mm-hmm. But as we're sailing out of this, Harbor and I'm watching, I'm looking at the sunset on the side of the hill and I'm seeing all these uh, Caribbean houses that are perched on the side in a sort of jungle canopy or I'm not, it's not jungle, it's drier, but like a, a a wooded canopy and it's this beautiful Island. And I realized that this was for a certain number of people, it was their home. They were, they were born there and they never knew anything else. But for a lot of people, this is their, this is their fantasy. This is, this, this is how they express their success in life. This is their ambition. They worked all those years in Winnipeg in order to afford to come to this island and live in that house. And the, and the distance I felt from those people the feeling that i was looking at this hillside where thousands of people's fantasies were expressed in all these vacation homes and i felt no kinship with them i would not have a house there as that is not my fantasy nor my ambition and it and and different strokes for different folks right but but i felt so different from them that i had this sudden like feeling of tremendous loneliness where it was like how how can that be so how can i be so detached from that whole idea to to one day end up in a home on st thomas where there's nothing to do but sit on the porch under a slowly turning fan and drink gin, gin fizzes nothing about that appeals to me and 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 watching that whole island just sort of like throb, I felt I felt so profoundly alone that I had to get out. I had to stop looking at the island. I had to put on my shorts and get out of my cabin and go find some people and go up to Sprinkles and get an ice cream cone, because because I felt such a distance from humanity at that point. Hmm. And I don't know whether that's a sane reaction or or a you know or an imbalanced one it feels very it feels very crazy in the moment but also i can't find fault with it when i try to explain it i don't I, I i find no i find no pleasure there and that is and there are and i guess what it was was i i just i saw this archipelago of these places kind of stretching to infinity like, this is one of the top human fantasies to, to retire to a tropical island. And I just was like, no, 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 no. I would rather live in a shipping container buried under the sand in the desert mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Fred Durst and Dick Cheney. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. And, and of course, one of the voices will always say, like, what's wrong with you, dummy? Why well, that's you, exactly right. Like, why? Like, w- what, is, w- what is your problem? <laughs> why can't you enjoy a tropical island like everybody else you're the only person that's that's not spent their whole life looking forward to this yeah you're getting to do this thing nobody else gets to do that everybody wants to do why are you why are you not well, first of all why are you such a sad sack but like well how can you not be thrilled to be here right now
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean what's what's crazy about the Joko cruise is that i love it because my friends are there and we're making fun and i think the sea monkeys are great but to be on that exact same cruise ship going to that exact same itinerary where there were not sea monkeys and I was not there with my friends would be my worst nightmare. Yeah. And how can you be, how can the same cruise, uh, be like so fun and so potentially miserable at the same time? It's, um, it's, it's really funny. You know, it's like, what do I want to do? I want to go sit in a cafe somewhere, uh, and drink little teeny cups of coffee and read uh like like i guess read little histories of things read people's film reviews mm-hmm. you know why what, what is that that what is that
0: well and it's it's funny cuz i mean i i always uh if i ever go somewhere that is primarily a place to go for fun and relaxation that's different from the everyday stuff and like i always feel like i'm doing it wrong mm-hmm. i always feel like it takes me a an improbably long time to get into the spirit of whatever it is, and not just be somebody rolling their eyes on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. No matter what, no, I always feel that way. I I can't ever go anywhere once. Uh, let's, let's let's just call it vacation, even though it may be something as simple as like just staying in a hotel for a weekend somewhere. I can't go anywhere once and be good at it. I have to go there like three times to understand how to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. To like learn like what expectations to have. Here's the kind of here's the kind of activities that this place is excels at. And here's the many, many, many other kinds of things that are just not a good idea to try and do here. Stop trying to get a good internet connection. Stop (laughs) expecting that this will be an authentic hamburger. Like, Go sit on the beach and drink a drink. That's what this place is good for. And that might take me three quarters of the vacation to figure out. But it also, and so it makes me feel like a terrible person, but it also makes me a student of all the other people who are doing it in a weird way. Like to get to our cabin, we had to walk past the, I guess they call it the library. You know, um, and I'm sure you you know what I mean. Like, there's that area you walk past. And yeah, it's just, full of Ken Follett novels. Exactly. I mean, it is. It's it's like a bunch of Ann Rule books. It's a bunch. You know, it's it's and some I guess board games. And you would walk by there and see people who like uh, I, we got a free cruise for doing this. So we were there for free. So any, I, at least, you know, I was not felt like I was losing money, which is another terrible feeling, is going somewhere on vacation and realize you're paying to go yeah. feel awkward somewhere. Yeah. But these are probably folks who were paid a pretty good amount of dough to be on this trip. And a lot of times it wasn't Sea Monkeys, it was other folks who were not affiliated with that part of the cruise. Right. Any, anyway, of not unusual at all to walk by and see like three to 10 people like sitting in the deck of a ship like reading a borrowed book in a library. So, I mean, no, these are not these are not folks who are like like on the deck reading the book they brought. These are people who are picking a Ken Follett book off the shelf and reading it in a a airless room inside of a cruise ship. And I assume they're having a good time. Yeah. They're doing what they want to do right now. Or for that matter, let's, let's talk about like, what's obviously a huge change in focus, I guess, over the years is the amount of gaming that goes on, where there are a lot of people who are on like, one of the lowest decks of the ship, like in, in, the, in a room with artificial lighting, playing board games and having the time of their life. Yeah, which is a... Uh, but, and it's a very which, lively atmosphere, very oh, yeah. gregarious and warm. And every single person I met down there, they're all weirdos. They were all great. They're all playing Cones of Dunshire or whatever. And they are totally excited to explain everything. And like, would you like to play it? We would be happy to explain this game to you. Well, and they're wonderful. super
1: social with each other, right? I mean, they're having having, they're having so much fun, great time because they found they found kindred spirits, and you know, and they don't have to. I'm I, I when I look at that game room, I I see a lot of those people, and I imagine them in their hometown, getting a few friends from work over and saying, "Hey, you know, let me show you how to play Settlers of Catan." And their friends from work are like, "Huh, weird." Okay, and they play it, and they're. Can like we play that half- iPhone game we saw on Ellen? Yeah, right. Yeah, they're right. half-hearted about it, and they're like, meh. Or, I mean, the and the best situations are ones where it's a where it's a couple, and they both are really into gaming. Uh-huh. But that feeling that they're coming from all over, where they're like, ah, "I've kind of got my little game group," but you know, two of the people only come half the time, and suddenly they're in a room where everybody is just as. Everybody recognizes that these games are as fun as I think they are. They're they're excited, about they may be very excited
0: about, or even maybe say, having developed one of those games or worked on that game. So they're excited about that game, but they're also excited about many of the other games. But it strikes me that they are equally as excited that everybody here is excited about games. Yeah, yeah just yeah, the yeah. just the idea of a bunch of people, and this is a big thing in nerd culture, is that there is like a g- very big tent for letting everybody in who's even vaguely interested in this and like, that's okay. It's a really nice
1: part of nerd culture. Uh, One of the things that happened on the last cruise, and I'm not sure if you were there, but it happened again on this cruise was Ted Leo reading aloud from the (laughs) Cimmerillion. I heard about this. Yeah. And he did it on the first cruise and I was there, you know, kind of sitting at his feet because I want, I, I wanted to understand what Ted Leo was getting out of it. And so I was like, all right, Ted Leo really wants to read Aloud from the Cimmerillion. I'm gonna go watch this because I, you know, like I'm curious about this guy and I want to see what, what what he's on about. And it turns out Ted Leo is a very articulate reader and he knows how to pronounce Elvish names. Wow. He 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 reads Elvish names without any hesitation and he you know he has a kind of east coast accent he, he definitely sounds like somebody f- from the east coast he sounds like a person a connecticut person and not a fancy connecticut person but he's reading this he's reading the Cimmerillion and i was transported like it was like i was a child being read to and i knew enough of this story that i was like I was floating away on it and he was reading from it with such care and such conviction. And I think the, the cast of people that showed up to that first reading of the Cimmerillion were a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the cooler people on the boat who were like Ted Leo. Yeah. Let's go listen to Ted Leo read about the Cimmerillion. <laughs> and somebody might think, oh,
0: he's slumming. Like he's, 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 yeah. uh, he's catering to the, uh, Pandering yeah. to the nerds,
1: yeah, he's on this boat and he and and he's got this nerdy thing that he's going to do and ha ha ha, but he was utterly sincere. Read this book aloud as though he had read it aloud every day of his life, and you know, and breezed through that Tolkienese uh, sort of almost Old Testament style of writing and and made it made the story come alive. And so this year when he said he was going to do it. He was no longer kind of doing it up in the cool bar. He was down in the game room in a in a uh, conference room off the side of the game room in a totally windowless place. The only reason you would ever go there is because you were on the cruise with like a Midwestern sales force and this was where they were having their PowerPoint <laughs> demonstration, right? The, right? the cruise ship has that stuff on there because... That because they cater largely to conventions. And so I go in the room, and at this point, almost everybody in the room is not a cool person who's there to see Ted Leo do something slummy. It's a bunch of people that want to hear the Cimmerillion read aloud. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the room looks very different. You can hear a pin drop in there. And he, again, reads like so cool. So uh artfully from this book, he's telling the story. And you know, the, we've talked about the Cimmerillion. It's it can be impenetrable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he's telling the story and you can feel the tragedy in it, and you can feel his and he never mis- he never makes a mistake. He never gets halfway through a sentence and goes ah blah, 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 and starts over again, right? He's just like he's it's, he's gifted at this. And I had another, another one of the 10,000 experiences I've had interacting with that group of people where it's like, this is actually a real thing. This has nothing to do with being a nerd. This is a, this is a beautiful moment. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what, those are all the touchstones of the Joko cruise for me. When I'm with a group of people who are, who are enthusiasts about a thing and then I realize that, oh, they're sharing in a moment of, of human beauty that kind of is unrelated. It it has nothing to do with like the medium. It's, it's ultimately the message. And it it, it isn't a case where the medium is the message. The the medium is, is just the, it's just the box. So
0: what do you think the captain saw when he saw those lights?
1: Fucking UFOs. Mm Uh, Like sea, I bet he doesn't.
0: I bet John, I bet he doesn't tell everybody that story.
1: I got a feeling, I've got a feeling that was kind of special. Well, yeah, I think so too. And as we, you know, as we left, I couldn't think of any more questions that I wanted to have an answer from a sea captain about. Like, (laughs) what's the weirdest shit you ever saw float up out of the ocean? Mm -hmm. Rogue Wave. Rogue Wave. Have you ever uh, seen anything you couldn't explain? And what's the biggest sea you've ever been in? Like, what else are you going to say? You ever, Have you, you ever, so ever saved somebody from quicksand? Oh, I did. I, I did say, <laughs> do you ever pick people up? Uh, do, you ever, do you ever, as you're scanning the, the seas with your, with your flash or your... Captain eyes. Captain eyes. Do you ever find a guy floating a, on a, uh, a ricky tiki tavvy Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, we pick people up all the time. Oh, and then the other thing I said was, do you ever see dark ships? Boats that have no call signs, boats that have no running lights, oh. uh, danger boats. And he said, the only boats we see that are like that are uh, coast guard boats that are out here lurking. Ooh, wow! And and when we try to hail them, we're like, "Hail boat!" They go, "Shh, shh, get oh, off!" Wow! And we tease them. We tease them by getting on the radio and saying like "Aloha," and they're like "Ixne, Ixne," because they're out lurking around those islands trying to find like fast boats. Mm. But, but when I, you know, I dug in a little deeper and I was like, no, 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 I'm talking about I'm talking about some dark, dark ocean. the 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 tour <laughs> of the ocean. Oh, okay, I didn't know about this. Right? Yeah like it's just what you see is just the tip of the iceberg, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And he was like, "No, no no no. It's just always it's always the coast guard that's running around without their running see, lights." See, I on. bet uh, that's what he's saying. That's what he tells you. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we were we were pretty chummy at that point. Hmm. And I was, you know, and I was kind of leaning in a little bit and I was like, "Come on, come on. Who's out here?" And he just he didn't blow it off like you know, usually somebody in that position, if they're going to blow something off because they're not supposed to talk about it, they give you a little hint. I No, I think he's protecting you.
0: I think he he likes you and he likes Will, especially Will, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I think he's, I think he's protecting you. He doesn't want you to know too much. I mean, certainly he doesn't want the information traced back to him, but he also
1: doesn't, this, you're not ready for this. You're not ready to hear this yet. I mean, if he's saying that he sees unexplained lights, you don't think he'd, he'd give me a little wink as he said, like, no, there's no dark boats out here. The dark boats
0: might have his wife in the
1: closet with a gun to
0: her head yeah. or
1: something or similar. Whatever a boat does
0: in order to like, you know, uh, you know, get you to do something on the secret for him. He thinks there are maybe microphones on the bridge of the freedom of the seas. Well, maybe he knows there's microphones on the bridge in the freedom of the seas. Right. They might have been very clear about that. You know, we're listening every time somebody hits the button in the bathroom. And my God, I wouldn't want to have to wash that.
1: Uh, and you, think, you think James Earl Jones reaches over and pushes the red button and the torpedo explodes just shy of the boat, and hmm. he says, "This is the last we're going to talk about this." Which movie is that? Is that Doctor Strange Love? Uh, Doctor Strangelove was the one where uh, uh, James a, Earl Jones rode a submarine down and it exploded in a.
0: Yeah, and it, his, his 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 grandson is right? his
1: grandson's Paco Rabanne. Right. No, it's not that. Yeah, I think that captain would have given me a little wink. He just—he seemed—he's from fucking Winnipeg. Mm, it's true, right? What does he have to? What I mean, what's he going back to? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, he goes home. Goes home and feeds his sled dog or whatever. <laughs> Only you understand me. <laughs> you know my
0: secrets of the sea. <laughs> Worf, Worf. <laughs>